welcome and thank you for tuning in to episode 38 of TLDR Podcast. We have another great action-packed episode in store for you today, so get pumped. We're going from the hardwood to the ballpark and everything in between. Before that, though, we got to check in with the guys and see how they're doing. A lot of big things happened this week, so we'll see. Tyler, he's been grinding and traveling all around the world. How's that been, man? Yeah, we're all around the world. Went to Seattle a couple weeks ago and was up in Berkeley last weekend. Uh, it's been good, been a grind, but that's 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 baseball season for you. Playing playing a lot of games in a very few days, but loving it. It's it's been it's it's been very exciting. Very happy we're going to be home the next two next two weekends. So looking forward to a couple couple of weeks back, um, here at home. So it'll be good. You really went around the world, yeah, from Washington world, to California, yeah, all around the world, <laughs> literally every 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 part. <laughs> Where's your next road trip? Our next one will be the first weekend in April. We'll all be in San Francisco. Again, all around the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all the places you can go to right now. Yep. <laughs> Eric recently got back from the All-Star break. So uh, how is it post-All-Star break, man? Uh, it's okay. We, uh, you know, we got our ass kicked by the Pelicans last night. So it's, it's actually not good. Um. But we're in a close game with the Mavericks right now. Who the, who the hell knows what's going to happen? We need to win a fucking close game this season. Then I'll start believing in our team more. But I'm doing good. Uh, our team needs to do better, though. Um, you associate yourself with the team that much that your identity is the team? Yeah, I'm basically like the team, you know. Except I'm really bad at basketball. So I, I wouldn't really contribute if I was, you know, actually playing. But I'm doing good. That's it's good to hear, man. <laughs> Biggest news of the week, ladies and gentlemen. Traden literally made six hundred thousand dollars this weekend. God. <laughs> oh my God! I did not wait. Her, hold on. I have things going on in the background here. Um, I did not make six hundred thousand dollars, but I did sell my home. Um, so if that's what you're talking about, yes, I did do that. Um, we are moving. You also got a haircut. Yes, I did get a haircut. Um, it. I'm moving closer. Hopefully, moving closer to James and uh, I guess kind of Eric ish. Um, not, I, I mean, it's kind of going to be about the same, but, uh, moving farther away from Tyler and I'm sorry, Alex, I'm even moving further away from you, but I promise okay. I will be up there to visit sometime. Um, that's, I mean, that's, as, that's pretty big news, but today, James, you just took, you just took uh, possession of a Tesla. So that's pretty big news for you, dude. Ooh, bastard. Yeah, man. I haven't really messed around with it yet. Cause I like, I bought it in the afternoon. Haven't really driven it all that much. It was just like, what, maybe 40 miles away. But after this podcast, I'm going to go mess around with it and see what it's all about. Oh, very yeah. excited that thing goes zero to 16 2.4 seconds it's crazy love it so jealous <laughs> awesome. man that's awesome it's awesome hey like i said if you want to pay me 100 bucks let you drive for an hour <laughs> <laughs> and then last but not least we got alex alex how is drinking beers and growing your beard it's great man yeah the my uh brewery open reopened <laughs> this weekend so uh that's good news the state of california is finally reopened so it was a busy weekend getting that all set up, uh, but yeah, it's good. And then, you know, I don't really have to do that much work for the beard. That just kind of does it on its own. And you got to trim it. You got to keep it like moisturized. Yeah, I got, I got, yeah, I got to keep it tight, especially with the mask. It, you know, gets really annoying, but yeah. But. yeah. So all the guys are doing well. We're going to take a quick break here, but when we return, we're going to start with basketball. Welcome back. As you may have heard earlier, 
the lack of our sponsorship. So, you know, if you want to be a sponsor, let us know. We'll put you on there for a really small fee. Maybe a burger. I don't know. Um, anyway, the All-Star break just happened in the NBA. So, you know, that teams are about to make that, getting ready to make that playoff push. And Alex is here to tell us all about it. Alex, it's all you. Yeah, All-Star break's over. Um, you know, we kind of talked about teams we thought would fall and some that would uh, rise in the standings last week. Um, we'll kind of get into the more nitty gritty of like kind of what happened in the NBA this week. But as always, um, we'll go through the fantasy stuff first. Uh, James just demolished Tyler. Just, Jesus Christ. Just embarrassing, Tyler. <laughs> um, uh. Speaking of losing, trading. Trading's three and eight on the season. Not great. <laughs> and your boy won again. He's nine and two. So that's going well. Um, and then before we get into the NBA thing, uh, March Madness is officially here as well. I know we've never talked about college basketball on the podcast before, um, but I set up a TLDR podcast group bracket challenge through ESPN. So if you guys want to join, you know, put in your brackets, you know, if you if you do well, maybe we'll, we'll throw you 25 bucks or something. Um, what does that only, do? Uh, it's the bracket start. First game starts this Thursday. So the... Ooh, wow. Yeah, they go they go really quick, especially with you know COVID. I think they're trying to plow through these games as quickly as possible. Um, they're all it's interesting this year. They're all in the same location, not like four different um, you know areas before they converge into the into one location. But so yeah, if you guys want to jump on that, let me know. I already filled out two brackets. Um, I'll probably get a hundred percent, obviously, because um, I watched <laughs> zero college basketball this year. Um, but yeah, so moving on to the NBA, um, let's let's start off on a positive note. Karis LeVert came back to finally play his first game with the Indiana Pacers after being traded from the Nets. And during that physical, they found a mass on one of his kidneys and it was cancerous. They've removed it. And now he's back. He started in the lineup for the Pacers. And honestly, it couldn't come in a better time for them. Um, they had really been struggling. I mean, they have two stars in Sabonis and Brogdon, but the rest of their depth was just kind of failing them. Um, so James, I asked you to kind of think about this um, with Levert back. Does this finally give the Pacers their kind of third guy after they, you know, traded away Oladipo and gives them a better shot to like move up in that Eastern conference? Oh, I 100% agree that it does. Uh, small sample size, very small sample yeah, size, but in the one game that Karis Levert played, he won, they won. That's awesome. You know, that's a sign of things to come. He's a good player. Um, this year before he traded from the Nets, he had a big season in those eight games that he played with the Nets. Um, he averaged like 18 to 25 points per game. He had a game where he put up 43 points. The thing about the NBA this day, these days is that you're successful if you have three really good players who can score or two superstars. Malcolm Brogdon and Demonis Sabonis, they're not superstars. They're stars. They're good, but they're not the best. So you need three people that are decent and good at scoring for a team to be successful. And that's what they were missing. Oladipo was that guy for them before they traded him away. And unfortunately for the Pacers, and fortunately for Karis LeVert, they found that mass and the Pacers essentially lost a scorer for a period of time. But now that he's back, he's there to produce. And he's, he's really good. Um, before he came back, the Pacers were 18th in offensive rating, which is not that good. They really needed another ball handler. Malcolm Brogdon does well off ball, but they didn't have that secondary ball handler to help him out, and that's what Karis LeVert is. He's dynamic. He's a playmaker. He can handle the ball. Malcolm Brogdon has, can do less now and produce at a higher efficient rate. Same with Sabonis. I think it's all good things, man. 
the Pacers are poised to make this push towards that eight to ten spot with Levert back in the lineup. It's gonna be good. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that those two guys are, you know, Sabonis and Brogdon have enough stardom in them to carry this team in the weaker Eastern Conference. I mean, we've talked about that over and over and over again. Um, and with that extra scoring that Karis Levert scoring that Karis Levert brings, um, yeah, it'll only help. Um, and there's definitely some young, weaker kind of weaker teams in front of them that I think they could leapfrog as they kind of climb the standings there. Um, moving on to a little bit more of a bummer, I would say. Um, possible MVP front runner Joel Embiid of the Philadelphia 76ers uh, hyperextended his knee, uh, going up for uh, you know a rebound or scoring or whatever. Um, and luckily, all of the ligaments in his knee are okay, but it's a bone bruise. Um, he's going to be reevaluated in two to three weeks. Uh, that's not good news for the 76ers, obviously, who are holding on to that top spot for now. But, uh, you know, Brooklyn's playing well. Milwaukee's playing much better. Uh, Ty, with Embiid out for two to three weeks, how does his absence affect the 76ers? What do they need to do to continue playing well? And can they hold on to a top three spot in the East uh, during this, this period of uh, absence from Joel Embiid? Yeah, so it's good news, bad news for the 76ers. Obviously, losing a guy like uh, Joel Embiid is, is a huge blow for them. Fortunately, the injury wasn't as bad as it looked uh, at first. It looked like that could have been a, a, a season ender. So thankfully, they will get him back um, at some point this season, which, which, is, which is the good news. Unfortunately, this 76ers team is not nearly as good as they are without Embiid on the floor. Um, so far this season, they're 2-5 and five without Embiid on the floor. Um, with Embiid playing, they have a plus 12 point differential average without him. They're a minus four. That difference is the largest in the, in the NBA with, with one single player with, 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 with one team. Um, so this is going to be a tough stretch here for the 76ers coming up. Um, uh, also Embiid's player efficient rating is 31.5, which is second in the, in the NBA. The man replacing him, Dwight Howard has half that at 16. Um, so again, you're not, you know, Dwight Howard is, you know, a decent center, but he's not Embiid, obviously. Um, so the, the 76ers overall starting five is pretty decent and they're going to, they're, they're going to do okay, but they're not going to be nearly as good as they were. It's going to be kind of similar to what you're seeing with the Lakers and, um, AD, but probably worse. Um, they're playing the Bucks on Wednesday and they're playing the Lakers Clippers and Nuggets next week. Um, so they got a long stretch of games here and probably even more that, you know, with, without Embiid is probably not going to look very good. Um, I think they will fall out um, of, that, of that top seed. As far as the top three, I think they have a chance to hold on to the three. Um, it kind of depends on how they can hold the fort down with, 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 without Embiid um, and how, how well those, the, you know, the Heat and the, uh, Clip and the Celtics are those other two teams that would you know, force them out of that uh, three spot. So depending on how they play over the next two or three weeks will determine how the 76ers will fare. But if, if, if I was a 76ers fan, I wouldn't be too worried about the uh, seeding right now. I'd be more worried about getting Embiid back so that before the playoffs start, because I don't think they really care about what seed they're in. I think they care that they're in the playoffs and they have Joel back. I think that's the most important part. And they'll just kind of, you know, sail this, this uh, sail these rough waters as best as they can in, for the next two to three weeks. I have yeah. a question for you. Go for it, James. So you and I both know how finicky and how hard a bone bruise can be, especially in the knee, a weight-bearing thing. And it's like for a seven-footer like him, somebody weighs a bunch, it's going to take a long time. So theoretically speaking, worst-case scenario, Embiid doesn't make it back. Do the 76ers make 
some sort of acquisition? Do they, what do they do to make that push? If he, if he doesn't come back for the season, if he doesn't come back, I mean, it's going to be, I don't know. I don't even know how they would, who they would get or how they would do. Go I'll tell it. you in the next question. <laughs> if you think it. about it, man, they got, you got Andre Drummond that's out there right now. LaMarcus Aldridge is being shopped. There's a bunch of big men throughout the league who are being shopped or let go of their con- Boogie is currently being shopped too. He's a decent player. So which one of those would fit the best of the 76ers if Joel Embiid doesn't make it back? Yeah, I think Boogie is an interesting option. Uh, Aldridge, I think, I think of the guys that are available, I think he's probably, probably the best option in terms of just overall uh, abilities and, and experience. And I think he'd probably fit the best in that option. Obviously, you can't re- replace Embiid, obviously, but um, I, yeah, there there are options there. Um, but I think from the 76ers standpoint, they don't have a choice, but they they they, they got him going to back. I agree from a medical standpoint, having a big guy like that and a bone bruise, yeah, that's not going to be easy to come back in, in two, three weeks. But um, from an organizational standpoint, I think they're going to do everything that they can to get that guy back for the uh, playoff run. So, but yeah, I mean, I think obviously looking into other options, I'm, I'm sure they're going to explore that, but, you know, I think they're going to do everything they can to get them back. Yeah. Um, yeah. James, you kind of stepped on my next point, but that's okay, buddy. Yeah, yeah, I was actually listening to another podcast uh, this morning with Paul Pierce on it. Um, and he said that during his playing days, he had a bone bruise and it took eight months to heal. I mean, he could play on it, but it was, you know, he said at some points he couldn't walk upstairs after the end of the, after the, end of the games. And Paul Pierce is not Joel Embiid, um, like size wise, just like you guys were saying. Joel Embiid is a seven footer. Uh, you know, he's a big boy. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, he's just going to be reevaluated in two to three weeks that, that could mean, oh, he's back, or that could mean he's done for the season. We will have to see. Um, yeah, Tyler, I agree with you. I think those those other two elite East teams will probably jump them in the standings. Um, but that's right. They want their MVP back. It'll be interesting to see um, how they fare without him. Um, and then, yeah, so moving on. So the NBA trade deadline's coming up. The buyout market has already started. We, we talked about Blake Griffin going to the Nets last week. Um, but a lot of big men are either being bought out, they're pretty much sitting out the games with their teams. Um, so LaMarcus Aldridge, like you mentioned, Boogie is still out there. P.J. Tucker, um, you know, he's not like a big man, but for the Rockets, he played center at 6'5". Um, and then Andre Drummond uh, from the Cavs is also out there. So is this going to be a problem, Eric, for the future of the NBA? I mean, all these big men, you know, you know these are serviceable pieces in the NBA. Um, is this a problem for big men in the NBA moving forward? And then um, it sounds like you have one that maybe would fit with the Sixers. Yeah, I mean, I thought the center was the most important player on the, uh, on the court, <laughs> but I guess I guess that's not true. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you can look at it both ways. It is. It does seem to be a problem for like the long term contract guys because Drummond. This is what his second year only on the Cavs or maybe it's his third, but like either way, he got a big contract when he got traded from the Pistons. Like there was still, you know, a good amount of his contract left with time. And it's already looking like he's over Cleveland and they're over him, but it, you, it could be a positive thing. Um, maybe like you're, you now you're getting these guys to earn their roles, show their efficacies. Um, but Embiid, we talked about him just now, you know, he, before he got hurt, he was proving me wrong. Because I, I, I thought he was lazy. I thought he didn't play defense. I thought he just was trying to be like finesse. But he's shown this year he's pretty versatile. 
plays both sides of the ball. Um, so these big men are very valuable for your team. And you look at the Rockets last year, they got rid of all their big men and then they just got pummeled against the Lakers in the uh, playoffs. They had nobody for Anthony Davis getting, they're getting out rebounded every game. Rebounds are extremely important. That sounds simple, but gives you your second chances. Um, a guy I would focus on is LaMarcus Aldridge. Cause I believe he's already been waived by the Spurs. Um, no, he hasn't. Okay. Well, he's about to be, <laughs> they're not playing him. Partner. What? They're trying to find a trade partner for him. Yeah. But like they, they basically have like parted ways with him. In other words, like they're, they're going to get rid of him. Um, that guy is, is pretty valuable of a big, um, one that can shoot, one that can work the post, one is that he's good at uh, floor spacing. You, I think he'd be a good guy, like, off the bench, uh, maybe for the Miami Heat. Um, I don't think – like, Olenek is good, but you need, like, a big – you need, a, like, a true big man, a one with veteran experience. Um, I mean, now that we just talked about Embiid and all that, like, he would fit in well in the 76ers, start him over Dwight Howard, just keep Dwight Howard in his role. Um and then and one other team I think that uh, Aldridge could go is Portland. Um, that's where he started his career. But, you know, I mean, put him back with Damian Lillard and McCollum. Like, that's that's a threat, those three guys. Because um, Nurkic, I don't know. What? What's wrong with the Ness Kinter? <laughs> it is a double-double machine, dude. I mean, he's like 20-14 he's, he's a night. He's right. Aldridge is probably better. <laughs> In my eyes, but I mean, Cantor, I think Cantor's a good off the bench center, but I mean, Aldridge should come in because um, Nurkic has been having all these issues. So you get Aldridge over there, you, you eats up some load. Um, it's going to be interesting. People are saying the Celtics too with Aldridge. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I don't like they have, they have a back, they have this kid Williams who's showing signs he could be pretty good in this league um, as a big. I think they keep developing him. But Aldridge would be the focus, uh, I would say, for the bigs in this trade deadline. Yeah, I would say Aldridge has probably the best skill set left at this point in his career compared to those other guys. Um, but you're right. You know, we saw Dwight Howard exceed in his role as, uh, you know, a backup center for the Lakers. And maybe that's what some of these guys need to do. They need to learn that they're not the stars that they used to be, come back, um, you know, you know, sign with a sign with a contender. Show shows you know the teams what they can do, and then maybe they'll get another contract at the end of this year. Um, and then, very last thing, so kind of going back with to Joel Embiid. This is a very Joel Embiid focused <laughs> whole section right here. But uh, with his injury, I mean, I would you know Vegas had him as the front runner for MVP. Um, now they're in the second half of the season. It's kind of be fun to talk about. But with him out for two to three to God knows how long. Is this now trading down to two guys, Nikola Jokic of the Nuggets and LeBron, or are there some dark horse candidates we haven't talked about yet? Yeah. First of all, I, I want to ask you, basketball guys, uh, did do NBA teams really buy out players in the middle of the season? Yeah. That's yeah. absurd. That's the stupidest yeah. thing I've ever I've ever heard. Reggie Jackson and the NFL players do too. Yeah. <laughs> and and the NHL that never happens. I don't even know if it, it's allowed to happen, but it doesn't happen. So that that's why it's such a shocking it's thing. Probably because the they make so much more money than what Fair. NHL players make. So they're like, oh, Fair. we're paying a guy one and a half million. Yeah, fuck it, we'll keep him. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think that 
Well, I mean, you wouldn't buy him out at that point anyway, but I, I agree with you. Um, I, I guess maybe that's why. Anyway, um, as for the MVP race, I think, I mean, Alex, I think you're right. I mean, I mean, I think it comes down to the two, the two bigs. I mean, if you look at the, if you look at the odds, those are, you know, Jokic and, and LeBron James are the two that are going to, you know, are the front runners for the, for the MVP. Um, and assuming, assuming going back to the, the first question you asked or second question you asked, it doesn't sound like Embiid's going to make it back to even make a, a potential final run for that MVP. I mean, two, I mean, two weeks is probably, I mean, if he comes back in two weeks, which probably won't happen, he probably has an ability to maybe get there. Um, but you know, I, I don't, I don't think he, I don't, I think he's out. I think it comes down to those two. And statistically it sounds, it sounds like, it seems like Jokic is the, is kind of ahead of everyone else. His, I mean, his shooting splits are, are 56, 41, 87. I mean, that's huge. I think, I think that kind of puts him above the other above LeBron James, but again, it's LeBron James. I mean, if you have LeBron James on your team, you're going to, you're going to make the, you're going to make the finals. I mean, that's just the reality of it though. I do have, I mean, you did ask if there's any dark horse candidates and I think, I think I have an interesting dark horse candidate and it's someone who this podcast absolutely despises. It's someone that I absolutely despise, but I have to give him props it's James Harden. Um, James Harden, since he went over to the uh, since he went over to the Nets, has played quite 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 well. Um, and the re- and you know you just look at what he's done since he got there. I mean the thing that's the thing that's not gonna that's gonna kind of bite him in the ass is his first like eleven games you know or his, his first eleven games of the season with uh, you know down in Houston. I mean he completely didn't play. I mean, that kind of in and of itself kind of puts him out, but as a net, he's been brilliant. Um, he's already second in franchise history in triple doubles, which is kind of amazing. Um, also the nets have outscored opponents six points per hundred possessions with Harden on the floor. That's not incredible, but that's pretty good. Um, they're about even in the 308 minutes that Harden's played without Irving and Durant on the floor. Harden is given the green light to carry the bench players and he has the the most solo minutes over the other two bigs, and I think he's the most equipped to lead that team. When, now that you know Harden's, I'm sorry, that um, Durant's kind of in and out, Irving's kind of in and out. So I mean, Harden's kind of making this team really good. <laughs> I mean, I mean, to Eric's point, this whole season he's he's had the, he's had the uh, the Houston, I'm sorry, the Nets at the top of the East, at the top of the power rankings, like almost week after week, and. I think a lot of that has to do with Harden. I didn't think it was going to be possible that Harden would actually bring a lot to the team. And he's brought a lot to the team. And I think that that is a dark horse candidate. Is he going to win it? No, he's not. But you said dark horse. I think I I have to give props to, to, for him. He is playing quite well as a net. Yeah. He's really changed his like whole attitude. It helps when you're on a team that's obviously playing really well and now you see what's happened to the Rockets after he's left. They've lost like 15 in a row or something. They're absolute garbage. Um, that whole city is pretty much just garbage. Um, but <laughs> sorry. Uh, I like that pick. I like that pick. I'm going to go with someone else as my dark horse, and that's Chris Paul. He maybe doesn't have the overall numbers as a LeBron or a Harden or Jokic, but think of where he's taken that Phoenix Suns team. You know, they almost made it into the bubble playoffs last year. Didn't quite do it. Now they're the two seed in the West. Um, you know, if we're actually talking about most valuable player, he he and LeBron probably bring the most to help their team right now. 
He's not, is he going to win? No, but I just think we need to give Chris Paul a little bit of love. I mean, we talked about it, how crazy he did with the, you know, the scrubs with the thunder last year and they ended up being a five seed. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that as well. Um, I do think it's probably going to be LeBron or the Joker, but yeah, uh, we'll have to see what happens. You know, if, if Denver can push their way into the top six, I think Jokic will probably end up winning it, but LeBron probably deserves to have like eight MVPs. Um, but you know, voters get tired of voting for the same guy all the time. That's why Mike <laughs> Trout doesn't win every year, even though he should. Yeah. Um, but that's my NBA segment this week. Um, yeah, trade deadlines coming up. So keep a watch out for that. We'll see what these big men do, how that, where they go. Um, but all right, James, that's it. Yeah. Keep a lookout for the March Madness bracket. That'd be fun. Learned a lot of good things here. I learned that apparently Alex hates Houston. That's news to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're going to take Absolutely. another quick break. But when we return, we're going to go to the ice and uh, do some NHL stuff. Welcome back, everybody. Just like the NBA, we're about the midway point of the NHL season. Trayden has been dying to talk about this one topic, so it's going to be a very special segment. Trayden, take it away. Yeah. Um, first, I gotta I gotta open up with fa- with fantasy. Um, I, I I don't like to because I suck, but <laughs> it was my second straight loss, and I'm four and five. Eric won again. He's eight and one. Alex won again. He's eight and one. Um, James beat Tyler. Uh, six to three. Is he so he's six and three, and Tyler's five and four. James, I, did you kick Tyler's ass? Was that was it a was it a blowout? I didn't see the score. I think so. I mean, I blew him out in basketball. Blew him out in hockey. He has trash teams on both teams. So you know, <laughs> brutal, brutal week. Brutal. Um, standings. We got uh, tied for first. We have Alex and and Eric. Um, solo third. That would be James. Um, fourth is fourth place tied for fourth place is Tyler and I'm tied for sixth. I I'm bad. I don't know why I <laughs> even do hockey guy. big hockey guy. <laughs> I don't even know why I do hockey. But um, look, the, the big news I want to talk about. So this week's gonna be a little bit different. I want to talk about the individual divisions. We are at the halfway point of the season. Um, basically most of the teams are around their, their halfway point. Um, some are behind, some are a little bit ahead, especially those North teams. They haven't had any COVID issues, um, but big news came last week. The ESPN is coming back to broadcast the NHL for the first time in, I think it's been over a decade. Um, It's been a very long time. Um, ESPN, the NHL announced a seven-year deal returning hockey to ESPN for the first time since 2004. I mean, just long time, almost almost 20 years. Um, Included will be 25 regular season games on ESPN or ABC um, early round playoff series, a conference final um, each year, four Stanley Cup finals on ABC, and more than a thousand games streaming on ESPN Plus. Um, it, they're also going to do All Star games, skills challenges, um, out, and the out of market streaming package that that you know some of us subscribe to is going to be run through ESPN now. So ESPN's taking over a, a big chunk of the of the NHL broadcasting. So I just wanted to ask you guys, it's been, a, I mean, 2004 is a long time. We don't, we don't even remember what hockey was like back then, probably. Um, James, I mean, you just got into hockey recently. So what is your initial thought of the NHL coming, bringing back or going back to the ESPN? Are they going to be playing on like the main ESPN or is it going to be like ESPN 5? Like what's uh, ESPN I, th- I think we're going to get, e- I think <laughs> we're going to get priority on some. The Ocho. <laughs> okay. Um, honestly, honestly, it's great. Um, a lot of America 
doesn't really know much about hockey, especially like the West Coast part of it. Um, but I think it's going to bring a lot more recognition to the sport. Not only is ESPN going to air some games, but they're probably going to do some of the advertising as well. And you don't see any advertising for hockey unless you're watching a hockey channel or a hockey game. So I think it's going to just bring more recognition to it for Americans to get into hockey. And over time, that's going to grow the sport. More kids watch hockey, more kids play hockey. The sports office is going to grow. And then Team USA is going to beat Team Canada. There you go. <laughs> oh, Eric, what do you think of this uh, ESPN deal? I mean, it's cool. Uh I like Barry Melrose. Um, oh, yeah. Classic. Hopefully he's about to get a big, big money check. Um, shout out to our LA Kings. You know, we always got to mention them when we talk hockey. But, I mean, to me, it's not – I mean, I guess it's cool, ESPN. Now they could stop talking about basketball all the time um, and all that drama. Uh, I just hope they don't create a bunch of NHL drama, like the bad drama, you know. But um, – I think I think it'd be cool. It's nothing like that, you know, makes me jump jump off the couch or anything, but congratulations, ESPN, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Alex, do you think this is a chance for the NHL to to come back into a majority of of homes here in the United States? Yeah, I mean it'll be interesting to see what um, you know, how many games there are like per week, what time slots they get, you know, if they're getting the Friday night at six o'clock, seven o'clock, like that's prime time. Um, it'll be, you know, if, are they going to, how are they going to compete with the NBA? Cause obviously as we see their schedules are almost identical. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I agree with James. I think it's a great way to grow the game in the States. Um, you know, out of the big four, it's, I mean, it's pretty obvious that it's the least popular out of those four. Um, so yeah, it'll be great. Um, yeah. And I agree with Eric, <laughs> love me some Barry Melrose. Be glad to see yes. him. Glad yeah. To see him back. Absolutely. And then Tyler, um, I just want to get your thoughts before we, before we get into the nitty gritty today. Yeah. Obviously when it comes to, uh, to TV on sports, ESPN is King, you know, MBS, NBCSN tries FS or Fox sports tries, but ESPN is, is the premier sports channel in the United States and having hockey on a platform like that's only going to help them. So, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see some hockey on ESPN because I, I only got into hockey probably around like middle school, high school. So it was after ESPN stopped airing games. So I've never watched a hockey game on ESPN. So I'm excited to see how they uh, go about it. And I'm sure they'll do a great job because they always do. Yeah, I'm, I'm damn excited. Um, you know, it, it's the first time since the major lockout. Um, that's really the, a, a large part of the reason why the ESPN kind of dropped um, the NHL. It, it was at a peak here in the United States in terms of popularity. And then it just completely dropped off. And hopefully it's starting to gain back. Interestingly, before I end, um, I don't think NBC is too happy about this. So I, we, there is, it, it, it comes to wonder how the NHL is going to make up the rep. They're looking for a big ticket in terms of broadcasting revenue. And it's a wonder how they're going to get it. NBC might not be too happy that ESPN's taking some of these games. Um, I wonder if ESPN ends up taking the whole thing and, and we even get more games than we thought um, or, um, if Fox wants it in, um, it's just a big question mark um, at this point. But um, getting into the divisional reports to the halfway part of the season, we're going to start with the Honda West. Um, I asked Alex to take, to take a look at this um, division. But I want to start with giving everybody the, the quick rundown of the standings. Um, we got Vegas at the top with 37, 37 points. Minnesota um, is with 30, uh, second with 35 Colorado 34, St. Louis Blues 33. Those are uh, those are your four current playoff um, playoff guys out of the West. 
Um, Los Angeles is sitting is close there, sitting fifth uh, at 28 points. Arizona 28, and San Jose 25, and Anaheim's way down there at 22. Sorry, James. Um, Alex, I just want to get your thoughts. What 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 are your what are your thoughts on the Honda West this season? Are there any teams that are kind of surprising you, good and bad? Um, so, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think we all agreed that the top two teams in this division were going to be Vegas and Colorado. You know, Colorado had some COVID issues, um, but you see them, they're turning it on. So those two are probably going to end up at the top two. Um, you know, when we were doing our divisional previews, the Minnesota Wild was the team that I was supposed to focus or one of the teams I was focusing on. And my big issue with them was scoring. Yeah. Did they have enough depth scoring? Sure seems like they do. Every time I'm like, man, I keep waiting for them to fall off, keep waiting for them to fall off. And then all of a sudden they just keep winning games. Um, you, you know, I believe you picked the Kings to end up dead last and they're fighting for a playoff spot. So we like to see that. Um, and I think the Blues have been a big disappointment. I mean, they've got a negative goal differential right now, yeah. which in hockey terms is pretty much a death sentence. If you got a negative goal differential, you don't make the playoffs. Um, I think it was eight teams in the last like 15 years have made it and then they've all lost in the first round. So yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, Top two teams, not a surprise. Kings are a surprise. Wilder are a surprise. The Blues are a disappointment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm with you. The Wild are just absolutely – they're they're stunning. They're fun to watch. If you if you read my last power rankings, I spent quite a bit of time, a big chunk of my time spent, uh, talking about them. Um, they got some rookie power in in Kirill um, Kaprizov. He is just – unbelievable he I, he even i could even see him like going for a heart trophy if if the if the wild um make the playoffs i mean I'm, he's not gonna win but as a rookie to even be considered in the heart um in the mvp talks is insane and then you got you got the goaltender uh you got a rookie goaltender in um capo kakinen he's just playing fantastic taking over the net for camp uh, over cantel but you're right they're an absolute um they're on an absolute tear. And so I wanted to ask you, Alex, um, what are your picks? So I, I also wanted you guys to look at the, tr- the we're going to track some trophies halfway through the season. Who do you think in your division deser- is deserved of the Hart Trophy, the, um, the Calder Trophy, the Vezina Trophy, and the Norris Trophy? Yeah, so I'm tried to be not biased here as much as I possibly could. Of course. <laughs> but so for the Hart, which is the MVP trophy. Yep. Um, Andre Kopitar. I mean, he's having a great season. He's leading a team, you know, to a potential playoff berth that we, you know, Eric and I picked, but the rest of us did not think that was going to happen. Yep. They're having, you know, they're having an up and down season, but Kopi's the captain of that team and he's having an amazing season so he really far. Is. He really is. Um, and then for the Norris, I have to go with my boy Drew Doughty. Like I have to, I didn't think he, <laughs> this, I, you know, this dude was like, yeah, I'm not biased, but pick all I'm kings. not biased, Come but on, I'll pick man. my two kings first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Drew Doughty, I will, you know, during these rebuilding seasons, maybe he wasn't giving it his all, you know, he had, he'd lost all of his, all of his boys, you know, Jake Muzzin's gone. Alec Martinez is gone. Oh, it's gone. So um, now that they're back into some contention, Drew Doughty's playing an amazing amazing game right now i mean he's second in the league in ice time he always you know is on the ice a shit ton yeah um, he's put up 21 points and he's one of the reasons he's leading a really young defensive core and they're playing decent enough as a group but drew Doughty's definitely leading that that charge um and then for the vesna i've got mac andre fleury oh yeah of the 
Las Vegas sure. Golden Knights. For sure. Um, and you know what's crazy is last year, you know, during the bubble, we thought, you know, Flurry could be gone. He made some weird comments. There was some posts on social media from his agent. Um, they signed Robin Leonard back to that big deal. He got hurt, and Flurry's been amazing. He's carried that team. Um, he's probably the Vesna Trophy winner in the entire NHL right now. Yeah. Um, he's had an amazing season. And then for the Calder, yeah, your boy from Minnesota, whoever the fuck you pronounce his last name. Um, what is it, Kaparov? Kirill Kaprizov. Kaprizov, yeah. yeah my Ru- Sorry, my Russian's a little uh, <laughs> little, little suspect. Um, but, yeah, he's having an amazing season. I mean, he's had OT goals. He's flying around the ice. He looks like one of the future stars of this league. Um, what do you think about my picks, Traden? Yeah, um, I, I think I think your debt uh, – Calder's like – I think he's going to win the Calder – overall like he's give it to him now it's fine just give it to him now i'm 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 okay with that in terms of the vesna just give it to him now flurry's the dead dead set now your first two are are, i think there are great picks i think they're actually probably the 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 top picks that the nhl has that said does your does your pick change especially on the heart side of things does your pick change if the if the kings don't make the playoffs um yeah it will change um i'm tyler's shaking his head but yeah, I, you know, the best player in the division is Nathan McKinnon. I mean, there's right. no question about that. Um, if they don't make the playoffs, I'd probably pick Mark Stone of the Knights to win. He's having an amazing year. He's kind of carrying the offense for that team. Um, but I think we expected the Knights to be really good. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of us, Eric and I are the only geniuses here, thought the Kings had a shot at the playoffs. Um, so I think I have to give that to Kopey right now. But yeah, if they if the Kings falter, which they could, their season has been very up and down. Um, I wouldn't. Yeah, if they don't make the playoffs, Kopi wouldn't be my pick. Yeah, um, I I agree with you. I think Kopitar, if if they make the playoffs, he absolutely does, is deserved. And then in terms of the Norris, Drew Doughty, twenty six thirty one of ice time, second in the NHL, twenty one points. And here's the thing: the guy, so the players like that are playing against the best of the best. And he has an even plus minus. He has a above 50%, 50% Corsi number. And that's against the best of the best. And three of the three of the best and two of the best teams in probably the NHL. So absolutely, I think he's deserved of the Norris, even if they don't win the um, even if they don't make the playoffs. But talking about Mark Stone, guys, there's a crazy stat I heard today. Mark Stone has killed 26 minutes of penalties this season. The opposing teams have four shots on goal in those 26 minutes. And Vegas has six shots for during that same time. Mark Stone might be the smartest, best, well-rounded two-way player I've ever seen, at least in at least in recent recent history. And I, I agree with you, uh, Alex. I think he's definitely worthy of a nod. He is playing fantastic. I think he he has a uh, he has an opportunity to win a Selkie this year for sure. More than uh, but, more than Bergeron, who's won like four Selkies. It's tough. I mean, it's tough. I mean, it's, it's going to be a big battle like that. That's one, not one that they track, but I, I think that, I think that he is having a season that is to your point is, is making you think maybe he's deserved of one this year. Um, I mean, Bergeron's always in the picture. Yeah, he's always, always in the great. picture. Yeah. He and Kobe so are kind of we have to good. give someone some nod, but I agree yeah. with you on most of your points there. Um, and so um, with that, we're going to move, move on to the discover central um, Tyler, I asked you to take take a look at this team, but before we get there, I want to give you everyone the uh, the standings 
Florida is sitting at the top with 40. Florida Panthers is sitting at 42 points. Carolina is second with 41. Tampa Bay is sitting with 40. Uh, Chicago, 33. They're in a, those are your four playoff teams right there. Columbus is a little bit far behind at 29. Nashville, 25. Um, James's Dallas Stars, 24. And the Detroit Red Wings are at the very basement, dark, cold basement at 20 points. Tyler, what are your thoughts about this division? Who has surprised you both bad and good? Yeah, so the uh, Discover Central, uh, five, five teams in the NHL have 40 or more points. Three of them lie in, the, in, the, in this uh, division. Um, and they're the top three teams in NHL point percentage, which Trey and you love so much. I love that. Um, which, so, so I think we all were kind of thinking that um, the West was going to have the kind of the, that, the, power, the power division with the uh, Knights, Blues, and Avalanche. But it kind of looks like the Central is uh, stepping up their game here with the uh, Canes, Lightning, and uh, Panthers. Um, it's, it's, the, those top three teams are going to battle it. I'm really interested to see who's going to win that division. It's going to be real close. I, I still am going to go with, with the, the, the Tampa Lightning. Um, I just think they're the most well-rounded team in that division. I think, you know, both the Hurricanes and the Panthers have some weaknesses on either side of, of the puck, but Tampa Bay Lightning is just so solid. I think they will end up winning that division overall, but obviously the Canes and the Panthers are going to be in the playoffs. It's more about who gets that four spot. And the way I see how it go, the way I'm seeing it, I think the Blackhawks are going to get it. I think, wow. I think the Stars will make a run because I think that they are, you know, a, a very good hockey team and they have a lot of games that they haven't played yet. Um, but so far, I mean, I, I think they'll win it because of their defense. I think they have a really good uh, defense and, and goaltending is better than Chicago. But Chicago is, you know, scoring a lot of goals and they're really hot on, on, the, on the offensive side. So it'll be kind of interesting to see how those two things play out. Um, but I think the, I think the Chicago Blackhawks are going to hold on to that four spot. Um, but I think this, I, I think Dallas will make it interesting. Um, and as far as the impressive teams, um, the Panthers, man, like a lot of us didn't even have them making the, the playoffs and we kind of put their whole season based on how, uh, Bob Rofsky was going to play and he's played. Okay. You know, okay. he's been decent. He's been a little bit better more recently, but it's been their offense that has carried this team. Yes. Um, and then the hurricanes, I think we had them as we all had them as a playoff team. I'm pretty sure, but I think they've little exceeded a little bit more. I think they've been playing extremely good hockey all season long. Um, and then obviously the Chicago Blackhawks um, have been super impressive and, and they're playing amazing hockey. Uh, the biggest disappointments for me, the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets and the Dallas Stars, two, two playoff teams last year. Uh, Blue Jackets, you know, they got Patrick Laine and him and Tortorella are not seeing eye to eye right now. So I don't know what's going on there. And that's, that, that, that's a hot mess. You know, Dallas obviously had the huge blow with COVID to, to start off the season. And I don't think they've really gotten their uh, – uh, mojo back since they've just kind of been kind of uh slugging through slugging through the season so far um so dallas obviously the huge disappointment because they you know made the final last year so um them not being you know even really close to the playoff spot right now is a huge uh bummer um so that's what i got for the um outlook if you want if you want to get into awards yeah um go ahead get it right into awards before, and i'll uh, i'll talk about the division after all right, cool. So, uh, so for the Hart Trophy, I think this one's an easy one. Patrick Kane, yep, uh, hands down, um, forty-one points. I think he's third in the NHL right now with with points overall. Absolutely carrying that Chicago Blackhawks team. If the Blackhawks make it, which I think it will, he will. 
Um, I think he'll be a finalist for the Hart Trophy for the league. Um, so I think, you know, Petchkin for sure. Norris, got to go Victor Hedman. Um, he's just one of the most well-rounded, best defensemen. He might win it all in the, the, the Norris overall. And another guy that's probably going to win it outright in the NHL for the Vesna is Vasilevsky. I mean, this dude is playing incredible. Uh, the, the Lightning are 17-3-1 uh, when he's in the, in, in the net. He's a 9-3-4 save percentage and a 1-8-5 goals against. I mean, those are stellar numbers. Um, and the Calder, um, I'm going to go with Pius Suter. I think I pronounced that correctly. Uh, sh- the Chicago Blackhawks, another guy that stepped up and kind of helped um, this Chicago team play very well. He's got 13 points and a plus three rating, which I think are two very solid numbers for, for a, a rookie. Um, so th- those are, those are my picks for the awards. Yeah. Um, I'll start with talking about the awards. I, I, I think the awards are, I think you bang on in most of them. Um, I mean, <laughs> Patrick Kane is, Patrick Kane is scoring at a higher rate than when he won the Art Ross and the Hart Trophy back in 2015-2016. He's scoring better than that now. <laughs> so, wow. absolutely, he's absolutely deserving of the Hart. I mean, if if they win the if they win the play, uh, if they make the playoffs, he I mean, you you get him and Kopitar are going to be battling it out, assuming both of them win yeah. um, or make the playoffs. Uh, Hedman unanimous, like nor or he's definitely going to win the Norris this year. <laughs> um he's 24 points 1.04 points per game as a defenseman that's that that's first in the that's first at his position and defensively he's elite he's incredible um i mean we're going to be talking about this in eric's segment if you want to build the best defenseman just just pick headman that's all you need you don't need anybody but you don't need anything else just headman you're good um, and the Vesna, obviously Vasilevsky, I think that's pretty straightforward. Um, and then the Calder, I'm going to actually, I, I agree with you on that one. I also want to give my, my, um, tip my hat to Lankinen. Um, he's the actually the gold tender for, uh, for the, for the, um, Chicago Blackhawks. And he's actually done fa- very, very well. He's a main reason why they are, they are in um, a playoff spot in my eye. Um, but I agree with you in terms of the overall, um, division, the Panthers themselves, amaze me the most. And I, and I found myself watching a lot of Panthers games these days. Uh, they have not strung together two losses yet. If they've lost, they're undefeated coming after a loss. That is spectacular. That is amazing. That, that is something that every team should strive to go for. Um, my issue with them is they're getting a little bit of mediocre goaltending from Bobrovsky, as you mentioned. Um, Chris Drager is playing pretty solid. He's their, he's their backup, but he's, he's, I think he's outplaying um, Bobrovsky at this point, but uh, as a 26 year old tendy, they have, so they have, you know, they have someone good there. Although Bobrovsky costs waste like so much that, you know, I don't know what to expect there, but this division in my eye is the best division in hockey. They're the top three of the t- teams are in my top five rankings. Um, they are, they are spectacular. Um, but, um, but moving on, thank you, Tyler, moving on. We're going to look at the mass mutual East. Eric, you looked at this, this division, um, the Islanders sit top of the division with 42 points, Washington with 40, Pittsburgh with 37, Boston with 32. Those are your current playoff teams. Philadelphia with 31, New York Rangers with 26, New Jersey Devils with 20, and the terrible team in Buffalo has 16. They they are below 30% point percentage after tonight's game. They are 0-9-1 over their last 10. Uh, Eric, what are what are what about this division it has been surprising to you? Uh, also, just to put a cherry on top, Buffalo lost six nothing tonight to the yep. Capitals. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's really bad. 
Um, I have Washington winning the division. Um, they just all the vets they got. They got Laviolette as the coach. Um, they're always good in the season too. They're yeah. starting to be better in the playoffs. Uh, the four teams I have making the playoffs: Capitals, Islanders, Boston, and Philly. Mm, um, Philly. Yeah. So I'll, my most impressive uh, team, I would say, is actually Boston. Unfortunately, I hate giving them credit. Really? Yeah. Um, they just – they remained to, see, to be pretty dominant. They lost Chara. You know, they lost their captain. The guy had been there for, what, 12 years or something? Um, yeah. Every player, like, always had basically tons of great things to say about him, how he was just the leader, um, how he, you know – taught taught everybody there to be a pro, a pro. Um, and a lot of people had Boston d- doing pretty bad this year you know especially last year in the bubble they look they didn't look too good um, Islanders they continue to impress me uh, they seem like they haven't changed one bit um, just that dominant style of play uh, even though the Rangers the Rangers I think they're in the sixth spot they're not far out of that fifth spot um, they've actually impressed me it looks like they're kind of building uh, a better future there with all their all these young guys stepping up. Um, Panarin is fit in a great role there, even though he, you know, took a leave of absence. I think their their goaltenders are, you know, starting to get better too. Shesterkin and um, we'll get to their. I, I got King Kate actually, who who I believe they picked up this season. What do you think of Lafreniere? Um. I think he's good. I think he's developing slowly, though. Um, I think just like who's the other guy they got? Capo Caco or something? Capo Capo, uh, Capo yeah. Um, you know, I think he, he's developing slow as well. So maybe it's just something with their, like, you know, early draft picks there um, takes them longer to develop. But, you know, they're going to be good players. Lafreniere hasn't really done anything too crazy yet, I feel like. Um but yeah, all right. You might shoot me in the foot right now. To me, obviously the Buffalo Sabres is the most disappointing. Um, I think Chapman could beat him right now, uh, as James just pointed out. Um, it wouldn't be like a surprise if they lost to Chapman um, at KHS Ice Arena, oh. uh, Rink B probably. But um, <laughs> oh man, <laughs> oh man. Um, I'm gonna clip that for sure. Shit, I mean. We talked about Jack Eichel. Like, um, they how many times have they changed the coach since he's been there? Two times now. Um, they're gonna like, fire wait. this other coach. Like, yeah, like the, it gets to a point where like you keep changing the coach, you keep changing all these things. Like, you gotta then start looking at the players. Like, you gotta look at Eichel as maybe he's not the best captain. You know, I don't know. Like, I just <laughs> seems like he's not rallying the troops. Uh, and then he himself hasn't been doing good either this year. Nope. That's all I'm gonna say about Buffalo. They're just really bad, Anything, and uh, they keep getting kicked while they're down. Um, <laughs> what do you got for awards? Awards, I got Vesna, just going off the division. Keith Kincaid uh, in the New York Rangers. He's third in goals allowed average, um, one point five goals allowed, and then nine point three three save or point nine three three save percentage. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like he's actually, you know, holding the Rangers in that spot. They're like not far out of the fifth spot. Um, if they can go on a little run here, they just got Panarin back. Who knows? Like it could be a little race for that fourth spot. Maybe. 
<laughs> you say maybe. Um, I got for the heart MVP, fucking the rat, Brad Marchand. Um, 31 points in 25 games. You just got to give it to him. I don't like him, though. Uh, Norris Trophy. I got John Carlson on the caps. Um, always dominant. Always does well. 24 points in 27 games. And then my Calder rookie uh, of the year for that division would be Ty Smith from mm-hmm. the New Jersey Devils. Um, they're a disappointing, terrible team also this year. Um, but he's second in assists on their team or second in assists in a division, um, 11 assists, and he's fifth in uh, total points for rookies this year, um, 13 points in 25 games. So you got to give him some credit. Yeah. But uh, this is what I was going to say. You might shoot me in the foot. Pittsburgh isn't – they kind of disappointed me this year. Um, they are in a playoff spot, but – like They have a six-game winning streak. What are you talking about? They just aren't – they're just boring, dude. I don't know. I feel like they're, they, they're like the New Islanders. They're just boring to watch. Um, Interesting. They, they keep saying they're going to trade Crosby. They keep saying they're going to trade Malkin. They fired their GM. Um, I don't know. They're on a little streak right now, but uh, look for them to go on a losing skid. They're disappointing. And, uh, wow. <laughs> that, that, that – you should clip that. That's they're boring, hot. I they're think boring to watch. Is, I, I, I think that's hot. I think Pittsburgh is, is – actually surprising me this year and i um and boston is actually surprising me at how low they are i actually expect them to be a little bit better but um i do you have a good point they did they did lose uh, chara and they and they have they have done fairly well um in terms of your picks for your trophies um the heart trophy i think could, could easily go to brad marchand but i'm gonna pick i'm gonna have um, nicholas backstrom up in there um nicholas backstrom has just been a complete player this season he is always so quietly amazing um and you know it's fine it's about time we give them some give him some love um my norris i actually have charlie mcavoy up there um i think that you know like to your point eric they they've been battered down on defense the those bruins and and charlie mcavoy is definitely not the reason why uh he's he's held his own um and i have to give a lot of credit to to mcavoy there um, Vesna, I actually am, am, am intrigued by your pick. I actually have Varlamov up there. I think Simeon Varlamov for the Islanders has just been a lights out. Um, he's a top goalie in the division, um, and he's been, he's been one of the best in the NHL. So I definitely think he gets the nod there. Um, but I agree that, you know, he, the, the, your, your pick has been playing pretty damn well. Um, so, and if the Rangers do have a little bit of a run, he definitely could be in there. Um, Mike Calder trophy. I absolutely agree with you. Ty Smith, this rookie defenseman is, it has a plus three um, while averaging 1926 a game as a rookie. That's pretty fantastic. He is playing against some big boys, some, some hard competition. So I think you have a great pick there. Um, I, I think this division's interesting. Um, I, to be honest, I don't know. Philadelphia, you know, I know that Alex, you had him, you had them going in. I, I think their defense is just not there. I think they're just like it, early on, they were able to outscore, while getting scored on a bunch, but they were outscoring opponents. Then they're not. Um, they're on a five, 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 and zero streak here. I don't know how, how they can do it, um, but who knows? It's it's it, we might see Boston even even um, come down even more. But um, but yeah, that's that's all I got for the the Mass Mutual East. Thank you, thank you, Eric. And finally, the Scotia North. This is my division. This is the division that I've been studying like like crazy, like a professor. I feel like. 
Um, James, you're taking care of this division because um, I know that you've been watching a little bit of the Montreal and Edmonton games. Um, Toronto leads the division with 40 points, Winnipeg 36, Edmonton 36, Montreal 31, Vancouver 30, Calgary 29, and Ottawa unfortunately is down there in 22. James, what is your rundown of this division? This division is explosive in terms of goal scoring. Yes. It's fun to watch. If you don't like hockey or if you're new to hockey, watch this division. It's always exciting. Games are going crazy. The talent level is super, super high. Goaltending is actually pretty good, but the offense is just better. Mm-hmm. So it's fun to watch there. Um, in terms of playoff teams, this is pretty much what I expected. Not in the order that I expected it to happen, but those four teams at the top is what I thought was going to be at the top. Um just like everybody else is going through like their biggest surprises and disappointments. My biggest disappointment is the Canucks. Mm. I didn't think they'd drop to six, but I mean like four through six right now are very, very close. So in like two games, they could be in that four spot. Um, But I think that I thought they'd have a little bit more of a cushion, Um, but this division is very close after the top, after the Leafs, it's a very close division. And then my biggest surprise is the Jets did not think that I thought the Jets were going to make the playoffs, but I didn't think they'd be ranked this high at this point yeah. in time. The The crazy thing about that team is that they traded away their best, one of their best players in Patrick Laine, like a goal scorer, and they were, still were able to do well. And they didn't get Pierre-Luc Dubois, his replacement, for a while. And when he did come, he was injured. Like it, So the fact that they fared and did well in that time period is really cool for the Jets and kind of shows the amount of depth and the amount of leadership that they have there. Um, the coolest storyline, though, is the Canadians, in my opinion, right now. Ever since firing their coach and getting a new goalie coach, Carey Price has been on fire in the March in the month of March. The dude has a 0.952 save percentage. Like <laughs> that's like one of the best save percentages you'll ever see. That's excellent. Uh, I mean, tonight too, he won a game. He had 36, 34 saves tonight and gave up two goals. Like the dude's on fire right now, so it's really fun to watch. That is. Uh, what are your picks for your tro- for the trophies? Uh, I'm going to start with the Hart Trophy, so the MVP. This one's super, super obvious. Uh, I'm going to go with Milan Lucic. I think he's doing so well. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Definitely not Milan Lucic. I'm going to go with Connor McDavid. Uh, he's the best hockey player that the league has right now. Will be for the next couple of years and has been for the last couple of years. Like, it's, that's an easy pick there. For the Norris, I'm going to go with Jeff Petrie from the Canadians. Yeah. That dude's been killing it. He was a big reason why they were winning at the beginning, and he's a big reason why they're winning now. He has 11 goals and 14 assists and for 25 points throughout the season. Amazing. My Besna pick will surprise you. Uh, uh, it's Mike Smith. Like, wow. Yeah. Through 13 games, though. Hear me out. Through 13 games, the Oilers have won nine of them. And in that time period, he has a 0.927 save percentage and a 2.16 goal against average. He has the fifth best save percentage in the NHL. Wow. This guy came out injured to begin. And then the Oilers kind of struggled with goaltending and he's been a really good stopgap. He's done well. I mean, not tonight. Tonight he had a pretty poor game, but for the most part, he does pretty well. And I'm, I, I think that the Oilers are going to keep him moving forward. They've shown time and time again that they, that he's the preferred goaltender over Miko Koskinen. And I think that's the right call. Mike Smith is good and he's going to help that team do well. And then lastly, for my Calder, I'm going to go with Tim Stutzel or as Tyler would like to call him, it's Schnitzel. Strudel. There we go. <laughs> this guy has a cool last name. Reminds me of food. I love food. I love strudel, apple strudel, but that, that's some good stuff. Um, anyway, he has the second most points for all rookies. Six goals, 
11 assists for 17 points on a team that's really crappy, really bad. So the fact that he can keep his head up and still produce at that level says a lot about his character and his development. So I have him going for Calder. Yeah. Um, go, uh, going off your, your trophy tracker here. I mean, Connor McDavid, absolutely. I think, I think Austin Matthews got to tip his hat, tip my hat to talk, Austin Matthews, but Connor McDavid, you are incredible. And I'm not saying that just because I'm an Oilers fan, but I'm just saying it because <laughs> I'm an Oilers fan. Um, my Norris trophy pick or your Nor- Norris trophy pick is bang on. Um, I, a lot of people had Quinn Hughes up there. I think that that's a disgrace. I think Quinn Hughes does not know how to play defense. So God, if he wins the Norris, I think it's a fucking joke. Um, Jeff Petrie is absolutely up there. Um, I don't, I'm, I mean, I'm not, I mean, I used to like Quinn Hughes, but his defensive game is just not good. Um, so not a fan. Um, I'd rather have Darnell Nurse win the Norris over, over uh, Quinn Hughes. Um, That'll never happen. Though. No, unfortunately not. <laughs> um the Vesna pick um I, I like your pick I think I mean obviously because I'm an Oilers fan but I have to give it to Connor Hellebuck Connor Hellebuck is probably the greatest goaltender in the league right now he is just absolutely on fire the Jets don't have the greatest defense and they're tied or they're they're two points out of um the first place in in um in the Scotia North he is absolutely amazing um and my your Calder pick is bang on guys I, I think that if Looking what we know now, I think if the draft happened tomorrow, I think Tim Stutzel is going first over Lafreniere at this point. I mean, I, I think that the I think that the Senators are a worse team than the Rangers, and Stutzel is absolutely outplaying them like crazy. Um, so uh, I agree with you there. Um, in terms of who is in it, James, I'm actually shocked that the Edmonton Oilers have done this well. I really am. To your point, Mike. I wasn't. Smith- saved us from the get-go i had him at the top bro come on now mike smith saved us um and it's very interesting to say that he's 38 or 39 years old um and to your point that we'll keep him i think we keep him if he doesn't hang up the skates he is i, I think i'm at the season like you mean gonna go to him more than oh Austin yeah oh yeah yeah season. you're absolutely right yeah. there um I'm actually kind of worried about Montreal. Um, I, to your point, though, it is nice to see that um, Carey Price is making me eat my words right now. Uh, I still don't think he's an elite goaltender. I think he's a good goaltender. Um, at, but you, if you're going to be paid $10 million, you have to be elite. Um, and he's not – I mean, he's playing elite numbers now, but let's see, let's see him finish out the season. Um, he's going to need to because Calgary is coming and Vancouver, I don't know what the hell they're doing. They're just kind of all over the place. But um, – but that is that is the halfway point of the NHL season. I'm sorry this is a long segment, but hey, it is such a fun season for me. I've been really, really entrenched in all of this. Um, I hope you guys are reading my power rankings because I try to give as much good information as possible. It's going to be a bloodbath to the end. Um, interesting note, the, the NHL Canada teams are looking to get their 14-day um, quarantine periods waived for players that are traded which would definitely extend the, the trade deadline for those teams because basically I would say that their trade deadline is the next two weeks as opposed to April 12th because if you wait till April 12th, they're not even playing until almost playoff time. So um, that's all I got, James. All right. Trading's life revolves around hockey and selling his house. So it, it shows. <laughs> he knows a lot about hockey and he makes a lot of money selling houses. We're going to take another quick break, but when we return, Eric is going to tell us all about the perfect athlete. Welcome back, everybody. Have you ever wondered what it's like to have a perfect athlete or what the perfect athlete looks like? 
Well, wonder no more, because Eric's going to tell us all about it. Yes, I am. Um, you know, we've always talked about all these different uh, things in sports that we debate, you know, mental versus physical characteristics, traits, all these different things. Um, this week, I'm going to, you know, you remember seeing those memes where it's like the best NFL quarterback and then it has like all these different attributes and it's like a picture of like Mahomes head, Brady's arm, Russell Wilson's foot, like all these different crazy things. So I'm going to like kind of just build um, the top athletes, I think, and we're going to go around and kind of debate them. Um, so I'm going to start right off the bat. NFL, I'm going to build a quarterback. Uh, my best quarterback. So you get, I'm, we're going four characteristics for each That's athlete. Four? Bro, I have like seven. You could say seven too, but pick four oh, good ones. Play by the rules. Um, Four. Did he say four on the text message? He did. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> so James thinks four Gotta means cut seven, three of them. everybody. But uh, four means four. So uh, <laughs> NFL quarterback, I'm going Tom Brady's luck and experience, Lamar Jackson's ability to evade and get out of pressure situations, Drew Brees' throwing accuracy, and Brett Favre's body durability. James – you're our football guy. I'm going to go to you first. Uh, what position? Hopefully it's a quarterback that you're building. <laughs> Actually, I want a running back, man. Well, tell it's me about the running back. So I'm going to go with a Derrick Henry body. Like that dude is built like a truck. <laughs> like it's going to be insane. Nobody can take him down, especially when you have the athleticism of Saquon Barkley. The dude jumps <laughs> and runs super fast. And if you have the hands and the right running of Christian McCaffrey, are you really going to be stopped at this point when you can run routes? Absolutely not. And also, let's add the elusiveness of Dalvin Cook. Those are my four attributes. I don't know if you guys – can anybody – can Aaron Donald take him down? I don't know. With a guy this good, this big, this fast, this elusive? For the yeah. Debate. If there was one guy blocking Aaron Donald, he can. If he's double teamed, maybe, maybe not. Alex, what do you got for uh, the best created football athlete? Oof. Okay, so yeah, I like Derrick Henry's body. Actually, no, fuck that. Aaron Donald's body. That guy's a monster. Aaron Aaron Donald's body. Um, I'm going to go with Kamara's elusiveness. Um, Tom Brady's just overall football IQ. And I don't know. I guess I guess he's going to be a defensive end, but he's Aaron Donald. <laughs> um, and then, <laughs> shit, I don't know. Um, Larry Fitzgerald's Patriots. amount of time in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. Or, uh, Frank Gore. No, Frank Gore. Um, Adam Vinatieri's career length. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tyler, who you got? What right. do you got? Uh, so I went with quarterback as well, Eric. Um, and I also had Drew Brees' accuracy as one of my characteristics. Uh, the best completion percentage in NFL history. Got to go with that. And then I went with Mike Vick's mobility. I mean, he's one of the most mobile guys on the feet that the NFL has ever seen. Um, and then, James, I went Joe Montana's leadership. I mean, Joe Cool, one of the best, uh, most winning, most clutch quarterbacks uh, in, in NFL history. Um, Got to have a guy like that uh, be your leader and lead that team. So Joe Montana's leadership. And then whatever Tom Brady has, Sprinkle that on. I don't know what it is. Just all of it. Avocado magic. ice cream. What? <laughs> avocado ice cream. Avocado ice Whatever it is, That's whatever what Tom Brady's doing. The, yeah, the avocado yeah. tequila, whatever the hell. Kiss your kids on the lips. 
Yeah. <laughs> Do that. What, what whatever that he's in. got Will, that yeah. in on the top, on the top. <laughs> and, uh, you, you, and then you've got yourself the perfect quarterback. Okay. Um, and trade him. What we yeah, so about? it looks like we have a quarterback, we have a defensive end, I guess, and we have a uh, <laughs> yeah, running back. So uh, we have to have a wide receiver. So I'm gonna pick a wide receiver. Um, um, I got um, DeAndre Hopkins' hands. I mean, the guy is just known for his um, his his hands. Uh, in any situation, you can just get the, you can just get um, grab that ball, haul it in. Tyreek Hill's speed. I mean, the guy is a literal cheetah. Like the guy is like ridiculous. A literal cheetah. My favorite. My favorite. <laughs> my favorite. Um, uh, my favorite you know, clip of him is when he like caught up to a f- like it was like a fumble recovery or something, and the the um, the, the lineman who like, recovered the fumble ran for a touchdown, and Tyreek Hill was way behind the play and caught up to him and beat him in the end zone <laughs> just to give him the props for it. It was unreal. Um, Devonta Adams route running. Um, he's one of the best at, at route running, and then I would say Julio Jones's athleticism. The guy is just a, a freak. Um, and if you have that, you I mean you have the greatest wide receiver that ever lived. All right. I think we can all agree that Tom Brady, a characteristic about him. Um, I like the Vinatieri like length in the, in the uh, NFL. Cause that's important. Um, I like the Dalvin cook elusiveness. He's shown that these last few years. Um, and then we got to go with, uh, I guess Aaron Donald's body over uh, Derrick Henry's, and that is your ultimate NFL athlete, everybody. So that 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 player can play quarterback, running back, and be a D lineman. Um, so now we're gonna get into the, to the NHL side of things. I got Jonathan Quick's flashy yet clutch movements, Vasilevsky's regular season save percentage, Ben Bishop's size and positioning and Marty Brodeur's playoff experience and knowledge. Traden, our hockey guy, what do you got for the for a, a, a great hockey player? Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna pick a, a forward. Um, skating, in terms of just skating and speed, Connor McDavid, obviously. The, guy, the kid's just, um, just fast. That's it. Um, in terms of hockey IQ and, and hockey awareness, I would have to say Mark Stone, as I mentioned earlier last segment. Um, passing, I'm going to give it to Leon Dreisaitl. The guy is one of the best passers in the NHL. Um, and in terms of a shot release, in terms of just an overall shot, I have to give it to Patrick Line. He's having a rough time right now, but the guy knows how to bury, baby. All right. So you picked two Oilers. I guess I should have expected, expected that from you. One of them I'd probably agree with. But um, Tyler, what do you got? Yeah, so if you, know, if you noticed the last time I picked some uh, – former players that guys aren't active anymore. Like I did the same thing with, with hockey here. Uh, so I'm going to agree with trade and I'm going to go with Mick David speed. Obviously this guy is, is electric to watch on, on the ice. So I'm going to go with speed with Mick David. Then I'm going to go with Gordy house grit. I mean, every, every hockey player has got to have some grit. <laughs> Ooh, I love that pick. Yeah, so you gotta have, everyone <laughs> likes watching a hockey player that can get after it. Gordy Howe was probably the best to ever do that. Um, then I'm going to go with Ovechkin shot electric, um, an absolute cannon. Um, and then Gretzky's playmaking and just, you know, oh, his yeah. ability to just, you know, be on the ice and just make plays. And as you said, you know, his, his all his records show that he was one of the smartest, best playmakers hockey's ever seen. So that is my yeah. ultimate hockey player. How could we ever forget the great one? Alex, what do you got? Yeah, I had a lot of the same one as Tyler. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to make it up kind of as we go here. Um, it's McDavid skating like I don't that's we can stop talking about that. Um <laughs> 
I'm going to go Nathan McKinnon shot. Mm. I think he's got an absolute rocket. Um, Patty Kane's hands. Mm. Um, that Ooh. guy's got insane hands. And then Gretzky's passing slash playmaking ability. Um, I mean, obviously you take away all his goals and his assists will still be the most points in NHL history. So he's obviously pretty good at passing yeah. the puck. He was the best at it. Nice. I like how we're getting into like the exact body parts. That's like what I was going after too. Um, James, what do we got? <laughs> yeah, that um, mine's not going to be good. <laughs> we're it anyway. Is it going to be some Ducks players? Yeah, it's actually going to be Ricard Raquel. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Conway David skating. Easy one all the way through there. I went with uh, Chara's hardest shot. Like oh, dude kills it with a hardest shot. And you could probably kill somebody if you shot hard enough. Oh, yeah. Um, what with Milan Lucic's grit and fighting skill, like his toughness being in the middle, blocking the goal, he can do that really well. And then Joe Thornton's leadership, he has been in the league for a long time and he knows how to lead a team. So that's Good what picks. I want. Nice. Hockey player. Good picks. Right. Trading Gordy Howe have... versus Milan Lucic, who wins? What'd you say? Sorry, Gordy Howe versus Milan Lucic. Oh, dude, I don't know. <laughs> It's a good one. <laughs> it's a pretty good one, though. I, th- I think Gordy Howe's got him, dude. Even yeah, now. Yeah. I mean, Gordy Howe's just a fucking monster, man. Yeah. Lucic just gets more angry. But yeah. I like McDavid's skating, Patty Kane's hands, Gretzky's just ability and knowledge. And uh, let's go with Drew Doughty's uh, just blue line presence. We didn't even talk about that, but, you know, it's a little biased. We'll throw it in. Norris. Um all right, moving on to baseball, guys. Um, went with the pitcher. I got Clayton Kershaw's regular season consistency. I got Randy <laughs> Johnson's speed and release. Roger Clemens' war. Uh, I know we talk about war all the time. He's third all time in the war <laughs> zone. Um, and I got Pedro Martinez' whip and BAA. Um you know what those He's actually are just gonna write them down or what? <laughs> yeah. What does whip stand for, Eric? Uh, I looked it up earlier. Uh, <laughs> something. Uh, it's basically the lowest amount of batters on base, right? Is that kind of what it is? Yeah. Walks and well, hits he's first all time. Yeah, pretty close. So kinda. You're 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 on you're the right track. Close, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> batting average against is BAA, and yep. he's first ranked in that, so it makes sense that his WHIP is. I forget what WHIP was. I looked it up too. Walks I looked up WAR too. Like I was like, all right, we talk about these all the time. But that would be my baseball. One more time, Tyler. One more time. <laughs> Walks and hits per innings pitched. WHIP. Ah. Uh, yes. Right. 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 Um, <laughs> Tyler, you're our baseball guy. What do you got? Yeah, this one was a fun one. So I kind of went with more kind of I, I went all present day pitchers for, for, for this one. So I'm going to start out with the, you know, kind of the different types of pitches. So I'm going to start with, uh, start with the fastball. Every pitcher has got to have a good fastball. The best fastball, I think. And this was a tough one. There's a lot of good ones, but I'm going to go with Garrett Cole. Um, Average in 97. Uh, Spots are great. He just has one of the most consistent fastballs in in, in the game. Uh, then I'm going to go with Clayton Kershaw's curve, Uncle Charlie. That thing is a thing of beauty. It is <laughs> boy perfecto. Um, I it's it's one of the most sexiest curveballs the game has, has, has ever seen. It's got to go Clay, Clayton Kershaw's curveball. And then Max Scherzer's slider is absolutely filth when it's on. Um, there's again a lot of good sliders in the league as well. Um, he has one of the highest whiff rates uh, with, with with that slider. Um, and then I'm going to go with kind of a more in, intangible 
aspect of my fourth one. I'm going to go with Justin Verlander's uh, clutchness, if that's a word. Um, he has the best ERA in postseason elimination games in MLB history at 1.87. So having your best guy perform in the biggest moment, obviously, as a pitcher is, is hugely important. So Garrett Cole's fastball, Clayton Kershaw's curveball, Matt Treasure's slider, and the clutch nature of Justin Verlander. Yeah, I, I almost threw Verlander in mine earlier. Uh, Alex, you're like our other baseball guy. What do you got? Yeah, I went so I went position player, um, and I went a little more um, current and you know older players. So raw power, Giancarlo Stanton. I mean, the guy's a monster. Um, Hand-eye coordination, bat-to-ball skills, Hank Aaron. Um, he started with his hands upside down and learned to switch them and still had 3,000 hits and, you know, yeah, like his hands. <laughs> he was he, holding it like a golf club hit, or something. He hit right-handed as if he was batting left-handed. So, like, his <laughs> oh, his hands were, were switched. Like, no, 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 like, like, on, like the wrong hands were on top. Um, Mookie Betts' defense and then Mike Trout's bat speed. Oh, yeah. That's what I went Good with. One. Shit, yeah, we got a player. We always got to throw Mike Trout in every podcast. Yeah, that's that's a good player attention. right there. Yeah, um, James, what do you got? I went with Fernando Tatis's home run ability because that guy can just hit it out in spurts. It's really cool to see. Anderson Simmons fielding because he's one of the best defensive shortstops this league has. Uh, Mike Trout's hitting IQ. He's very disciplined at the plate. He makes plays when he needs to. And then Trevor Bauer's social media presence. That's my perfect, uh, perfect baseball. There you go. <laughs> All right. Um, trading last but not least. This was hard. Um, I don't know. I, I'm going to pick, build a pitcher, I guess. Um, in terms of like his baseball IQ, uh, Zach Greinke. Um, hit in terms of like the ability to break a ball. I mean, it's gotta be, um, uh, why am I blanking on his freaking name right now? Um, your, your boy, Tyler. Kershaw. Kershaw. Yeah, it's got to be Kershaw. I mean, I, I actually saw that in the World Series. It was like – I actually never saw him really throw, and it was absolutely disgusting. Um, <laughs> I like Verlander's um, – I, li- I like Verlander's clutchness. So, if you if, I mean, you got to be able to finish out. I mean, Kershaw had that ha- has had that issue in the past, and Verlander would – Not anymore. Not anymore. I will say that. Um, and then Scherzer's just heart. I mean, he's just he – just lo- he just – he just loves putting it all out there and you, you gotta have, you gotta have heart to, to play any sport. So. All right. Um, let's just go with uh, Kershaw trout. Um, Hank Aaron and uh, Verlander all combined into one would be your best <laughs> baseball player. Just play anything nine positions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you could throw Simmons in there too, I guess, as far as the defensive side. Um, last but not least, we got NBA Alex, you're a basketball guy. But first, yeah. I'll tell you, okay. Kyrie Irving's agility and change of direction, Steph Curry's three-point shooting, Tony Parker's leadership, and Pat Bev's just being the biggest pest defensively on the side of the ball. What do okay. you got, Alex? I like that. Uh, I'm going to go with Steve Nash's passing slash playmaking mm. ability. I'm going to go Steph Curry's Shit. three-pointer. I'm going LeBron James' overall athleticism, and I'm going Shaq's body. So I want Shaq's body, <laughs> just a seven foot three monster, but he's athletic as LeBron can sh- like, just imagine Shaq seven, three, just dropping half court dimes like Steph. And then, and then, uh, yeah, with Steve Nash's passing ability. <laughs> Love it. Oh yeah. 
I like I like that outlook of just like building the athlete. It doesn't mean, matter the position. Like we're trying to build that yeah. like superhuman. Tyler, what do you got? Um, so I went with Steph Curry's shot. Um, also LeBron's athleticism. So um, Alex, we agree on that one. Then I went with Kawhi Leonard's defense, um, and then Kobe's competitiveness. Just the the drive that he had putting all of that mentality into all of that uh, skill. Got to have that as, a, as an athlete in general. So Curry's shot, LeBron's athleticism, Kawhi's defense, and Kobe's uh, Mamba nice. mentality. I like you tied in the mental side of it, yep. which is very important. Uh, James, what do we got? Uh, I put in Kobe too, but I put him in for his clutchness. He's the most clutch guy I've watched play. I wasn't around for Michael Jordan's time. So having watched Kobe play, I – I saw a lot of clutch shots and that rang true to me. Um, for the body, I didn't go with Shaq. I went with Giannis, but like a grown Giannis, not like the Giannis from when he was a rookie, when he was a twig looking like Tyler. I'm, look, I'm talking about the Giannis. That's the <laughs> <laughs> for shooting, I agree with everybody else. You got to put Steph with the shot. The dude's lethal from downtown. All-star game is pulling from half court and mid- drilling it. Absolutely insane. And then for the mental side of it, I went with a Greg Popovich IQ. He ain't a player, but is a damn good coach. And the amount of times he's won with shit teams and the amount of times he's won with good teams gives him that entire, you know, yeah, thing, you know. Yeah, you know what I'm trying to say. He's good. Yeah, he's basically, like, he's probably the best coach in basketball history, as we've kind of mentioned before on here. Um, Traden, last but not least, what do you got? Yeah. Your other big basketball guy. Yeah, I'm huge. Uh, huge basketball guy. Um, LeBron's athleticism for sure. Um, Steph's shooting ability just overall um, with mentality it's got to be Kobe uh, it's got to be Kobe for me and then in terms of clutch I'm um, I flipped it I, I'm gonna go with MJ on the clutch side but I've never I mean I've, I've seen him seen the highlights he's pretty fucking clutch so <laughs> yeah we so we all we got we gotta go Steph Curry LeBron um, Kobe and then it's, it's, you know, it's a battle between Shaq and uh, Giannis. Um, maybe you mix like Boban in there too. So you get like the extra height and like the super and the big ass nose. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> I just want to see, hands. I just want to see Shaq like just shoot threes like Steph. That's really all. Yeah. That's that would like, be great. Yeah. Weird. You see, um, it was like on his fingertips. <laughs> just, yeah. Last, so last little surprise take. So I'm going to go around the board. We're going to build the worst athlete ever. So like oh, each. Got this. So oh, James are, will say be our football. Right James will say our football worst athlete. Alex will say our worst NBA. Tyler will say our worst baseball. Traden will say our worst hockey guy. James, I'm going to start you off with uh, Jameis Winston's brain. You want me to finish? Yeah, and then you just you you finish. <laughs> Cody Parkey's unluckiness. <laughs> be next. <laughs> um, Oh, who's who's knees? Who's legs? Uh, um, Jamarcus Russell's IQ. I mean, Jamarcus Russell's name? work ethic, dude. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we got it. Got to go with Jamarcus Russell. And um, who who went crazy? OBJ's Ben know. Roethlisberger's diet. <laughs> <laughs> His child pedophilia. That's yeah. yeah. Oh God, <laughs> um, Alex, what do you got for the worst NBA guy? I'm gonna say Derrick Rose's knees to start. Yeah, okay. I was gonna say that were Greg Oden's knees. Okay. Um, Gilbert <laughs> Arenas's brains. 
Gilbert Arenas's brains, um, Shaq's shooting ability. Uh, <laughs> uh, God, let's see. And uh, Mike, D- Mike D'Antoni's coaching. Mike D'Antoni's co- oh, yeah. coaching yeah. skills. Don't play defense, everybody. <laughs> we tell you here, defense wins games. D'Antoni will just say, don't play it at all. Yes, don't do it. Um, Tyler, baseball. Uh, you start off. I, I'm. I, let me think of somebody. But you uh, Otani's unpredictability. Yeah, I was gonna go Bartolo Colon's body. Love uh, he is big, sexy, but it's that's the body of a god. It's a what are you talking about? That's, yeah, I that's mean, for for, for, for some people, it is it is big, sexy, but <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, then I'm gonna go with uh, Ken Griffey Jr.'s injury history. Um, this dude probably could have been the greatest of all time if he stayed healthy. Um, so just having poor injury history like that can really suck. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, Carlos Correa's piece of shitness attitude. The fucking just arrogance of that guy is bullshit. Um, and then I had a fourth one. I can't remember what it was. I'll finish it with that, that random coach, like that was yelling at the guy on, uh, the uh, Oakland A's last year, and then he like fucking oh, backed yeah. away again. Astros on the Astros, a piece yeah. of you know, whatever the Astros. You could be like him, piece of shit, whatever yeah. his name is, but he would be yeah. the worst athlete. Yeah, um, trading worst NHL athlete. It's that one guy you guys drafted that I brought up. I can't remember his name. That should do pretty well. Uh, oh, Pulley Arvey. Yeah, Pooji Arvey. <laughs> <laughs> okay, first of all, we're going to start with Pulley Arvey. It's already not making the worst hockey player because he's actually having a hell of a season. Okay. Um, but that said, <laughs> Tobias Reader's uselessness offensively, um, Athanasiu's laziness. What? <laughs> um, um, uh, oh, Patrick Liney's complete attitude and the and the fact that he cares more about video games than hockey. Piece of shit. beard. Um, and, <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, I yeah, guess I'm duck season this year. I guess Corey, Corey, Perry, Corey Perry's, um, you know, dirty base, disgusting that. play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like all the dirty shit he does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, it went, that went off, the, off the rails a little bit, everybody, but, uh, you know, we're brainstorming here for you guys, uh, the best and worst athletes that we could come up with. And yep, just uh, don't be like Tyler and be better at sports. When you oh. come back, <laughs> I'm just kidding, guys. <laughs> uh, to be full disclosure, though, I completely read that entire description wrong, so I made a lot of stuff up. I literally just made football and called it a day. That was that was tough, man. Improv, <laughs> think a lot. Improv, yeah. yeah. Really yeah. fun segment, though. When in return, Tyler's gonna be up with baseball. If you guys have watched any spring training recently, you'll see that the starting pitchers have pitched more innings more and more, which means baseball season is right around the corner. And Tyler's going to go through his super informative MLB previews. This week, it's the NL Central. Thank you, James. Uh, let's talk about the National League Central. Um, this will be a very interesting division. Last season in 2020, four of the five teams made the playoffs. Obviously, with, that was with expanded playoffs, and we won't have that this year. 
Um, I also think only one team, whoever wins the division, is the only team that, that will make the playoffs. All four of them lost in the first round, by the way. Um, so let's start off with the Chicago Cubs, the 2020 defending division champions. Uh, finished with a 34 and 26 record last season, and they lost the Marlins in the first round. Uh, in their offseason, they uh, lost Yu Darvish to a trade with the Padres. They also lost uh, John Lester to free agency. So two of their uh, big starting pitchers are gone. Um, they did sign outfielder Jock Peterson, former Dodger, uh, who has been absolutely killing in spring training so far. Lots of Jock pops. Um, their projected rotation will be Kyle Hendricks, Jake Arrieta, Kyle Davies, uh, Adbert Alzole, and Alec Mills, uh, who threw a no-hitter in 2020. Um, the projected lineup, Wilson Contreras, first baseman Anthony Rizzo, second baseman Nico Horner, shortstop Javier Baez, third baseman Chris Bryant, and then outfielders Ian Happ, Jock Peterson, and Jason Hayward. Um, the bad with this team um, is the depth, especially on the pitching side. Um, they just aren't the same, uh, especially with their uh, starting pitching. Uh, they, they have a little bit of a change of a front office. Uh, uh, Theo Eps, Epstein has, has stepped away. Um, new leadership has come in, and it kind of looks like they're starting to head towards a rebuild here, uh, which is pretty wild because, you know, it was, what, five or six years ago they were World Series champions and seemed like they're going to have a long uh, tenure of, of, of runs. Um, the good is that I think this division is up for grabs. So as, as kind of iffy as this Cubs team may be, I think the whole division as a whole, there's not really one clear front runner. Um, so if, if, if they can start playing well, I think they have a pretty good shot of winning the division. Um, so Cubbies, I think this is, this is going to be a pivotal year for them. It'll kind of determine if they're going to go towards a rebuild or if they're going to, you know, keep building around, you know, guys like Chris Bryant, um, who was an MVP not too long ago has not been playing well. Um, he's got to step it up. Javier Baez did not have a great 2020. Um, these are guys that are their core guys, you know, that they got to step, step up and start playing well. And then obviously on the pitching side, like they got to, uh, figure that out. Um, so this is an interesting team. I really don't know what to expect from the Cubs in, in 2021, um, but we'll, we will see what happens. Um, moving on to the second place finishers, the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, they finished with a 30 and 28 record and lost to the San Diego Padres in the first round. Um, the offseason, one of the biggest trades of the offseason, if not the biggest trade in the offseason, they acquired Nolan Arenado from the Colorado Rockies. Um, they also re-signed Yadier Molina, who will be with his 18th season with the Cardinals, and Adam Wainwright, who will be with his 16th season with the Cardinals. So two of their guys that have been around for a very, very long time will be back again. Uh, their projected rotation, Jack Flaherty, Miles Mikolas, Adam Wainwright, uh, Kwon Young Kim, and Carlos Martinez. Uh, their projected lineup will be catcher Yadier Molina, first baseman Paul Goldschmidt, second baseman Tommy Edmond, shortstop Paul DeYoung, third baseman Nolan Arenado, and the outfielders Dylan Carson, Tyler O'Neill, and Harrison Bader. Uh, the bad with this team, um, offensively, not a lot of depth. Obviously, they added Nolan Arenado, so that's going to help. Paul Goldschmidt's one of the best uh, batters in, in the league. Past that, you know, it's kind of questionable what they got. They were one of the worst scoring teams in 2020. I, I, I believe they were the worst scoring team to ever make the postseason in MLB history. Um, so they need to step up on offense. I don't know if getting Arnado was quite enough. Um, the good, great pitching. Uh, their starting pitching is great. Um, and they added, like I said, they added Nolan Arnado, who is one of the best players in baseball. Um, he's going to be huge for the Cardinals going forward. 
Um, so Eric, I, I uh, assigned you this team. As I mentioned earlier, one of the worst offensive teams last year. Um, do you think that adding Nolan, Nolan Arenado is enough to make this Cardinals team acceptable on the offensive side? Um, it'll certainly make them better. Uh, as far as being acceptably offensive, I don't think so quite yet. Um, but, you know, putting him in the lineup now, it's another threat for the pitchers to worry about. Um, maybe, you know, if, as long as these other guys can get on base, he could drive them in. Um, it's that simple. But, you know, uh, on the defensive side of things with Arenado, eight gold gloves um, and just good third base awareness and abilities. So I think he's going to keep them safe defensively. And like you said, there's pretty stacked with their pitchers. Uh, can they win a series? I think they actually can win a series, um, maybe upset somebody. They just have to make it into the playoffs is all. But looking at, you know, they, they still have some vets on this team. They, this team seems to usually be in the playoffs. Um, and, they, and when they are in the playoffs, they usually have success. Um, so it, it's not really anything out of the ordinary for them to win a playoff series. I think they just got to make it to the playoffs. That's going to be their toughest uh, task. Yeah, it, it, it definitely, again, another interesting team um, to look for. Um, really don't know what to expect from them. I do think that they are going to be very competitive, obviously, for this division. That, that pitching is going to carry them. Um, I think they are going to end up adding a bat via trade at some point, especially if they're, you know, uh, kind of a, around the top of that division. Um, they're, they're, they're just going to need more offense to compete, period. They just, I, I mean, obviously, Arenado is a huge help, but it's still not enough. Um, so, the, so they got to figure it out. Um, so we'll see how I'm, – I'm also really curious to see how Arenado is going to perform in, in St. Louis. I think it's a much better baseball atmosphere, baseball culture in St. Louis than in Colorado. Um, I think he'll be very happy there, so I think he'll, he'll be better than, better than ever, but you, you never know. Uh, moving on to the Cincinnati Reds, uh, they finished third in 2020 uh, with a 31 and 29 record. Uh, they lost the Braves in the first round in the offseason. Obviously, they lost uh, free agent Trevor Bauer to the Dodgers. Um, they also signed uh, re relief pitcher Sean Doolittle and signed infielder D. Strange Gordon. Uh, their projected rotation Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray, Tyler Maley, Wade Miley, and Michael Lorenzen. The projected lineup, catcher Tucker Barnhart, first baseman Joey Votto, second baseman Mike Moustakis, shortstop Jose Garcia, third baseman Eugenio Suarez, outfielders Shogo Akiyama, Nick Castellanos, and Jesse Winker. Uh, the bat with this team, inconsistent offensively. Um, a lot of these guys underperformed in, in 2020. Um, you know, I think they have a lot of expectations, um, but they just are very inconsistent from what we've seen so far. Um, they have the definition of go big or go home. They either hit a home run or they strike out. That's pretty much all they do. And they did a lot more striking out in 2020 than hitting home runs. Um, the good, very good starting pitching. So it's kind of a similar situation with the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Very good starting pitching. Offense is a little bit of a question mark. Um, James, I, I mentioned that offense and some guys that really struggled. Uh, two of those guys that I think need to step up and had really good 2019 seasons or even uh, – more than that, and then a really bad 2020s were Eugenio Suarez and Nick Cassianos. Um, these guys, if they're firing, makes this Reds team a lot better. Um, do you see them bouncing back in 2021 and making this Reds team more competitive? Oh, yeah, 100%. It's the funny thing about what you said multiple times is the year 2020. 
And you've said that multiple times on how this, that year, everybody that you've mentioned did terribly for the Reds. In particular, Suarez and Castanelos. Castellanos. Castellanos. There we yeah. go. I got to take a shot for that. I know. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, every single year, except for that this last year, their numbers in every big category, hits, RBIs, home runs, um, they've all gone up. It's just one year, last year, where they, everybody on the Reds dropped. I don't know if it was their hitting coach. I don't know if it was the Cincinnati as a whole, because Cincinnati sucked last year for every sport. Like, it's tough. But the fact of the matter is, I see them bouncing back because they're not going downhill. They had one bad year where they didn't have a full offseason, where they had everybody do terribly. And it's not a pattern yet. Their pattern before this last year was going up. They were getting better and better every year. And all of a sudden, they have one bad year. You can't count them out. I expect them to bounce back fully, having a full offseason, having everybody around. They did have some big additions last season. Like, they added a ton of new guys this last offseason. They did not. So the chemistry could be a little better. Um, having Bauer walk was huge, though. Losing a presence like that, losing an ace pitcher like that, it mentally fatigues you. But, I mean, they still have some really good pitchers on the squad right now. Yeah, 100%. I mean, 2020 obviously was a weird season. I think some players, you know, weathered that storm better than others. Um, so it's like, I, I agree with you. I don't think you kind of that trend with just how weird the season was. It's not really fair to compare 2020 to what they've done in the past. Um, so I do also expect those guys to bounce back. I mean, those guys are absolute studs and I think can be a very huge presence in that lineup. Um, so with that being said, you know, this Reds team with a lot, like, like a lot of teams in this division is just kind of confusing to predict and not really sure what you're going to get out of them. Um, so how do you see this Reds team doing in 2021? Are they a playoff team or no? Well, the thing about this division is you can flip a coin between the top three or four teams and those teams are going to do well. Uh, my projections have them off by a couple of games here and there. And in a 162 game season, those three or four games aren't going to matter. Like they're going to be, they're going to flip, you know? So if they go on a run, they could do well, but if they go on a sump, they could do terribly. It's really not really in their control in a sense that the other teams have to do terribly, not as good for them to do well for them to make that postseason. But I think there's a chance. It's not likely because I do have the Cardinals winning this division. It's not likely that they win this division, but it could happen. They have a better than 50-50 shot for making it happen. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on. I think they'll definitely be competitive, but you know, it, it's, it's unlikely because I guess I think that this is the, probably the weakest division in the National League. I think whoever's going to win the division is the only team that's going to come out of that uh, for, 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 the, for the postseason. So I just don't think the Reds are quite at the upper end, but I think they will be competitive. And like I said, maybe they'll surprise some people. Um, moving on to the fourth place finishers in 2020, the Milwaukee Brewers uh, finished with a 29 and 31 record, uh, lost to the Dodgers in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, off season, only really real major move they made was signing second baseman Colton Wong. Uh, their projected rotation, Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, Josh Lindblom, uh, Adrian Hauser, and Freddie Peralta. Their projected lineup, catcher Omar Noraves, first baseman Keston Hira, second baseman Colton Wong, shortstop Orlando Arcia, third baseman Luis Urias, outfielders Lorenzo Kane, Jackie Bradley Jr., and the pride of Thousand Oaks, California, Christian Yelich. Um, the bad questions on the offensive side, um, again, that seems like a theme in this division. Um, you know, Christian Yelich had a real bad tw uh, 2020. Um, 
So I, I think he's going to bounce back. I think he should be all right. Lorenzo Kane, um, he's kind of getting up there in age. Colton Wong is very inconsistent. RC is very in, in, inconsistent. Jackie Bradley Jr. is really more known for his defense, not necessarily his offense. So offensively, I'm not really sold on this team too well, but they could put, put some pieces together. And they're going to be really good on, on, on the pitching side. I mean, uh, Woodruff and Burns, I think, are one of the best one-two punches in that division. And then their bullpen uh, with Hayter and uh, Devin Williams is absolutely nasty. Um, also, I think that they have the best manager in that division, one of the best managers in baseball, Craig Council. Um, he gets the best out of his guys. So I think he'll lead that team very well. Um, <clears throat> so, Alex, I wanted to ask you first about uh, Devin Williams, the reigning National League Rookie of the Year. Uh, was a sensation uh, last year. Uh, unfortunately, towards the end, he uh, was injured and wasn't able. We weren't able to see him in, in, the, in the postseason, but had an absolute great breakout 2020. Um, him along with Josh Hader um, make this that back that eighth and ninth inning, you know, or even more. Um, pretty pretty rough to face. Do those two make this this Brewers bullpen the best in baseball? Um, if not the best top three, for sure. Um, first of all, yeah, Devin Williams was sensational. I mean, he's his changeup fork ball kind of thing. I mean, it has a nickname already. It's called the airbender. That's fucking tight. That is tight. Rookie. you already got a, you already got a pitch, have a nickname. That's, that's fucking sick. Um, but yeah. And the brewers are at the forefront of using their pitchers at the most opportune times. So, um, I saw this crazy stat when Josh Hader pitches, the Brewers win 95% of the time. That's insane. So they know when to use their best pitcher. They're not going to use them in, you know, in a game where they're down by two runs. They, you know, you were just talking about how their offense is a little bit lacking. They're not going to come back. They're not going to waste his bullets. You know, guys like Josh Hader, they, you know, he's kind of got like a Tim Lincecum-esque body. He's super skinny. He, he um, you know, uses a lot of torque to get that fastball going. It might not last forever. Um but they know how to use them. And I do think that that Brewers bullpen is their, the biggest strength of their team. hundred um, percent. On the other side of the ball, um, as I mentioned before, Christian Yelich, you know, 2018, 2019 was the MVP in 2019 um, and 2018. And, uh, you know, he had a very, a very poor 2020 showing. Um, so obviously he needs to step on the offensive side because he's going to be their guy. But who besides Christian Yelich needs to step up offensively in order to make this Brewers team competitive. Yeah. And I think Christian Yelich will bounce back. Um, his hard hit rate was still fine. He was still, you know, he's still barreling the ball up. He kind of, you know, had some bad luck um, throughout there, but I think Kesson Hira is really like the other guy. Um, you know, he's a right-handed bat. He's young. You know, he was kind of their top hitting prospect coming up. So the two of them can make really a dynamic duo and Hira had a kind of off off year as well. Um, if the two of them can step up their game, you know, Christian Yelich is a perennial MVP candidate. And I think the rest of that team, you know, the offense, you know, maybe doesn't have the biggest names, but Colt Wong's a good player. Jackie Bradley Jr. is a good player. You know, Lorenzo Kane's a good player. They've got obviously Garcia slash Travis Shaw on the bench. You know, those are big, those are good bats. Um, you know, is it the Dodgers or the Padres or the Yankees? No, but in that division, they're definitely, you know, I would say even par with the Cardinals or the Cubs for sure. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. I think, I think they probably have one of the best cultures, I think in that division, like I mentioned, I think Craig council is a great leader and he's got a team of full grinders. And I think Craig council in his career was a grinder. 
Um, so I think this Brewers team is going to be very, very competitive. Um, all right. So moving on to the lowly Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, 2020 finished with a 19 and 41 record. That was worst in baseball. Uh, an off season, all they really did was probably trade away their two best players they had left in Josh Bell and Jamison Tyon. Um, so you guys ready for a bunch of no names with these projections here? All right, projected rotation, Mitch Keller, Steven Brault, Chad Cool, Tyler Anderson, and JT Brubaker. Uh, their projected lineup, catcher, Jacob Stallings, first baseman, Colin Moran, second baseman, Adam Frazier, shortstop, Eric Gonzalez, third baseman, Key Brian Hayes, outfielders, Brian Reynolds, Gregory Polanco, and Anthony Alford. Uh, the bad, everything. The good, nothing. Moving on, <laughs> trading. Um, over is my first question for you. You like, I think, covering these uh, rebuilding teams, these kind of bottom feeders of the league, um, which I don't know what says, that says about your uh, psychology, but I, I'm down <laughs> for it. Um, so my first question to you is, if, if, if they played a full season last year, they, they, they would have lost 100, 111 games. So moving, so moving on into 2021 with a full season, over under 110 losses. Uh, I'm going to say over, oh. uh, this team is trash. Um, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And to, to, to your point, to, to basically to your point as why is to pick the teams that are rebuilding. I, I, I know what it's like to being that fan. It's been 12 years for me, 15, 13 now. And it, it's, it's tough to go through that. And so I got to give the love to those teams that said, this is the worst division in baseball where where the winner of the division may only get like 82 wins like they're they're saying that the the winner could only get 82 wins and this team is like not even sniffing the playoffs like not even sniffing the the top four at all like zero chance this team's bad this team gave up all of their anybody who was getting paid is now gone except one guy because the one guy's ass and he doesn't and he is has way too much you know salary that no one wants to take him this team is in this team had to blow it up they're blo they blew up everything they're starting from square one sabers this is what you need to do get everyone off start anew this is a clean slate now this is a true rebuild from the from the ground from the ground zero yeah uh so with that you know looking forward as you know the rebuild in pittsburgh is in full motion um Currently, which play which player that the Pirates have should they build their team around? I am very excited about Cabrian Hayes, uh, the third baseman. He is he is the guy that they need to build around. Um, defensively, that's where he that's where he shines. I think I think he has the uh, the ability to to be a, an MVP candidate in the future, a Golden Glove winner in the future. He is. He is a fantastic um, fielder in, in the minors. And I think that that's only going to improve um, going forward. Um, he's, he's definitely someone they need to build around, but even better is offensively. He actually took some strides. Um, I, I mean, he, he's productive with his glove, but, but offensively um, he he's improved, you know, quite well. Uh, I had his, his splits here. Oh yeah. There's a splits. Um uh, 376 442 682 in terms of like the 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 batting percentage the the on-base percentage and the slugging slugging percentage at his first 95 plate appearances that's pretty damn good 
Um, and I, I think that he's, he's the type of player that this team is going to build around. Um, if he can do both sides, if he can play both sides of the ball like that, much like a, I know they don't play the same position, but much like a Mookie Betts style type player who's amazing defensively and can hit the ball quite well. I'm not, I'm not saying they're the same player. I'm just saying the type of player that, that he is. Um, they, they have a chance to rebuild and, and make this team, you know, I think they have a bright future, but the future like like a while like years away right but it's 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 bright the, the light is at the end of the tunnel the tunnel is just fucking long <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is is a very very long tunnel i agree with you key brian hayes i think has a chance to be a superstar in this league um he is the guy that they need to build around i really hope they don't trade him away i think i think he could be a cornerstone for that pirates uh franchise moving forward um his, his dad played in the the MLB a few years ago. So he's, so he's got baseball in his blood. Um, I think he's got a very, very bright future ahead of him. Um, other than that, the pirates really don't got, they don't have much going on. So um, we're going to finish this segment off here, uh, going around the horn and going with uh, final standings predictions. Um, so I'll start with mine. Um, I'm going to have the brewers winning this division uh, with 89 wins. Uh, the Cardinals closely behind with 88. I think it's really going to be those two teams battling out for, for that uh, central crown and then i got the cubs in third pirates or sorry the cubs in third the reds in fourth and the pirates finishing last obviously um so let's go around the horn eric what do you got unfortunately i have the same exact thing you just said so <laughs> yeah it sucks that we're just gonna have to agree on that it happens <laughs> alex what do you got yeah brewers cardinals cubs reds pirates james cardinals brewers reds cubs pirates all right, a little bit different. And then trade. Cubs, Cardinals, Ooh. Brewers, Reds, and yeah, the Pirates aren't even going to even come yeah. close. All right, <laughs> so uh, three three Brewers, one Cardinals, and one Cubs. Um, so I, I, I think it's going to be a very, very competitive, uh, shittier division. Um, <laughs> but, not, but nonetheless, even if, if it's not as you know elite as the West and the East, it will still be fun to watch and uh, – uh, looking forward to an interesting NL Central 2021. James, that's all I got. Good stuff, Ty. Uh, that pretty much wraps up episode 38. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. It was a long one once again, but a lot of good information. If you liked it, please tell a friend. If you didn't, let's forget this even happened. And we'll try again next week. Hmm. Please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or uh, you know subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. This is us on Anchor. As I mentioned before, we need a sponsor. So if you want to be our sponsor, we'll give you a discount. I might even buy you a burger. Eric might make you something fun. I don't know. Trader <laughs> will sell your house for you. Oh, Who knows? Yeah. Trader <laughs> yeah. will yeah. buy you a house. Buy, yeah, he has 600 grand. Yeah. So yeah. be our sponsor. We need one. Trader Please and thank you. Other than that, I hope you guys have a great week. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.